In a world that tells us that if you're not happy, you can just change your job, end your relationship, start a new one, have a baby, get a puppy or five. We are constantly facing change in the pursuit of happiness. And yet, deep down, we resist this so much because nobody teaches us how to navigate transitions. Well, I'm here to change that. Join me and my guest every week to find the inspiration and actionable steps to dive into your next great chapter. Let's write it together. Hello, everybody. This week, I have with me Christine Luken, who is the founder of the Financial Dignity Movement, and she's also the author of Money is Emotional, and she names herself your financial lifeguard. So she's here to tell us her story of transformation and how she's writing her next great chapter. So Christine, welcome to the group. How are you? I am good. Thanks so much for having me. If you could please let us know everything about your story. Oh my gosh. It's, it's such a dramatic and juicy story. Um, so, you know, I, I call it my almost divorce because I almost got married um, and I broke off the engagement. And there, there were a lot of reasons why. And a good part of it was the financial reasons. So just to back up a little bit, um, you know, I had an accounting degree. And yet I found myself at age 26 hitting financial rock bottom. So here I was working for a company as their staff accountant, helping to prepare the budget. And yet I was bouncing my own checks at home. My credit was shot. I was dodging collector calls. And a good part of that reason was because of the relationship that I was in. My ex-fiance, who I quote unquote call Jeff, uh, to protect the not so innocent, um, you know, he was he was very good at emotional manipulation, and he just had a way of getting me to bend to his will and to do very foolish things with money that were against my better judgment, and so. You know, we were together for seven years. You know, we were living together. Our finances were intertwined together. We had pets together. And it felt like a divorce, right? Other than the fact that I didn't have to go to court. Um, it was messy. It was painful. Even though I knew that it was the right move to make, both for me emotionally and for me financially, it was still hard. And I think um, a lot of women who are going through that transition of, you know, divorce or breaking, you know, breaking off a relationship, it's hard emotionally and financially. And so I found myself wanting to leave this relationship and I literally had no money to move out. So I had to reach out to my parents and thankfully they were very gracious and they didn't, you know, throw it in my face or, or make me make me feel bad or shameful, which was great because I was already feeling plenty ashamed <laughs> of my money messes because I was someone that should have known better, right? I mean, I was someone that had all the training, that had all the knowledge and knew what I was supposed to be doing, but I wasn't. And, you know, there was a lot of shame in that hitting financial rock bottom. And it did take time to 
you know, get everything untangled, both emotionally and financially. Um, but going through that experience, it, you know, it was very humbling for me. And it really drove the point home that managing money is so much more than knowing what to do. And I imagine that most people who are tuning in would say that they know they should spend less than they make, they should save money, they shouldn't have excessive debt, and yet so many people are not doing those things, right? And it can cause us, it can cause us to feel like a failure. Um, I know that's how I felt anyways. Um, you know, but thankfully, getting out of that relationship um, and getting some counseling, <laughs> uh, that was very important for me because I really had to learn about um, what a healthy relationship looks like because I didn't know. You know, when you are in a toxic relationship that doesn't have good boundaries, you don't know what normal looks like. And so fortunately, I was smart enough to know <laughs> that I needed help, both with my finances and, you know, with that emotional piece. And, you know, my dad was very patient with me. He was the one that helped me to create a plan to fix my finances. And so you might be thinking like, well, okay, you got away from the problem and you knew in your head what you should do. Like, why couldn't you do this by yourself? Well, it was almost like walking into your house after a tornado has struck, right? Like everything is such a disaster that you don't even know where to start. And it, you just want to like slam the door and walk away. <laughs> and that was pretty much how I felt about my finances. Um, it was just so overwhelming. Everything was past due. I just, I didn't even know where to start. And it was very helpful to have someone who wasn't emotionally attached to my money mess give me guidance because when I looked at the department store credit card and saw the charge that Jeff had put on there for my Valentine's Day present, and now I was going to have to pay for it, right? You're laughing, right? I was not laughing back then. I was not. It makes for a great story now, but I was highly pissed off about that. Mm. <laughs> right, but to my dad, it was just like, okay, like here's the Dillard's bill. You know, it's got a $900 balance, your payment is 500, and then here's your Citibank. And, here. and so to him, it, it was very easy for him to just put things in order and say, okay, just do these two things and then we'll meet again next week, right? Like, don't worry about everything else, just do these two things. Can you do that? And that's exactly what I needed at that moment because I was just, I was so overwhelmed. I was so overwhelmed because, you know, it was such an emotional situation. All of the debt was in my name. So unlike a marriage where, you know, both parties would be responsible for 50% of the debt, we weren't married. And so because the debt had been accumulated under my name, because he didn't have any credit, I was stuck with all of the bills. And I literally, I had no recourse to try and go after him to get it. I mean, even if I did, 
he was always in and out of work, in and out of jail. So, you know, the likelihood of him ever paying me any of that was probably pretty small anyways. Um, but I do see that there are um, a lot of women who are going through divorce. Um, that's like one of the three emotional um, money mistakes that I see women making when they're going through that transition. And so for me, it was like the deer in the headlights. I was just so overwhelmed with everything, with all the details, with all the emotions that I just didn't know what to do. So I did nothing. Right. And that can be really dangerous because there's going to come a time where you have to do something. Right. And, and sometimes if you procrastinate and you let things go, then you're forced down a path that you may not necessarily want to go financially. Um, the other mistake that I made, so I made two out of the three financial mistakes. <laughs> I'm an overachiever, what can I say? <laughs> I was uh, going to say, you were trying to really learn the lessons, right? So you had to truly experience it. <laughs> two I out guess, of three, no bad. Oh my gosh, I guess so. And so the second mistake that I made is what I call giving away the store. And that usually happens when we're tired of fighting. And there was a lot of conflict and there was a lot of drama in that relationship. And that was actually one of the ways that he manipulated me emotionally because he knew that I was someone who liked things to be peaceful. Um, I was a people pleaser, so that didn't help. But I didn't grow up in a household with a lot of arguing or conflict. So I was, not, um, I was not comfortable with that. So he would basically pick fights with me, you know, wanting me to spend money or wanting me to give him money for something in particular. And he knew that he could wear me down, right? He knew if he argued with me enough and pitched a fit, that eventually I would give in because I would just get tired of it. And what happens is when you're exiting a relationship like that with a ton of conflict, you just want to run away and you're like, take whatever you want to. I don't care. I just want this to be over with. I just want to get away from you. <laughs> right. And that was exactly, that was exactly how I felt. Um, but the consequence of that is as I look back there were things that I didn't enforce, things that I didn't make him pay me back for, um, furniture and different things that I left in the apartment that I wish I would have taken, right? Because I wasn't very good at advocating for myself. I wasn't very good at standing up for myself. Um, I mean, me leaving the relationship that was a huge deal because I really was standing up for myself. But, you know, there were some things looking back that I was like, I really wish I would have just taken this. Like I paid for it. Right. <laughs> you know, like I should have taken that piece of furniture or whatever. Um, and so when I have female clients who are going through divorce, one of the things that I can help them with is knowing when they should stand up and fight for something. And certainly a good attorney should also be helping them with that or a good divorce coach should be helping them with that as well. 
Um, because I think as women, we are, um, you know, culturally, we are conditioned to get along and we are conditioned to cooperate. And so that can make it hard for some of us to stand up for ourselves. And that was hard for me. And I also think that we are conditioned to not get into conflict. And like you said, once you're so jaded and I see so many women get into their divorce and they're exhausted, they've tried everything to keep something alive that was dead. So by the time they have mm -hmm. to complete the process and end it, they just want it done. And like you said, you may yes. be leaving things in the table that what are you doing there? You're creating regret. So you're creating another yes. emotional baggage to carry with you. And I often say, you may not need to get into conflict. You just need, like you said, to advocate for yourself, to know what it is that you need to take with you and then present it. And half of the time, unless you're in a high conflict divorce, half of the time, the other person also wants out. They want right. some things that you can give them. So it's just a negotiation. So before we throw in the towel and we say, okay, he can take it all. Again, have a third, per have a third person outside of you two right. that is going to look after your interest. And a lot of times, like you said, yes, a good divorce lawyer could help you with that. But often they're there to fight until That's the end. True. That's and sometimes true. you just got to say, actually, I'm not fighting for that. He can keep the CD collection. Who on earth listens to CDs anymore? <laughs> Let him have right. it. But right. I want these other things. So it is important mm -hmm. that we bring that extra person. And as you were saying before, well, why couldn't I do it alone? Well, because doing things for the first time, and especially when it's so emotionally charged, it's almost yeah. impossible. You just need a teacher right. or a person who is not emotionally charged. I could right. divorce now five times. I think that's the reason why people then... <laughs> who have divorced once, go and divorce all the times. Because once you've done it, you're like, okay, I can do this. But the first time, right. get help and get professionals yes. like you who are going to say, this is what you need to do. Right, exactly. Well, and the other thing that I remind people is that, you know, things like child support, spousal maintenance, visitation, those things are not easily amended. And it's very important to get them right from the beginning. It actually costs you less in legal fees and heartache if you can spend the time up front to get it right. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing that I wanted to mention, because you were talking about the, the guilt and the blame that you felt at the beginning and that you were able to overcome with counseling. When you said counseling, I was curious, what was that? Was that therapy? Was that coaching? What yeah, so that was, um, it was essentially therapy. Uh, the company that I worked for at the time had a counseling benefit for employees where we could, you know, we would basically get free, free sessions. I think it was like eight sessions that we could have. It was part of our benefits. Um, and I do always recommend that, you know, people who are going through divorce, if they are working for a company, to check and see, is that part of their medical benefits? Is that part of their employee assistance program? Because, you know, that was really a lifesaver for me um, because my counselor was a man and it was important to me to hear from a man what is acceptable treatment from a good husband and what is not. Because some of the things that I was making excuses for my ex for he was like no <laughs> like that is not what a loving husband does like no that's not acceptable and i think it was important for me 
um, to hear it from, from a man who was a good husband and a good father. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, for every, everyone that, you know, a man or a woman would be better. It's really just a matter of personal preference, but, you know, if you've got access to those benefits by all means, you should definitely use them for sure. Absolutely. I think that getting professional help for transitions in your life Mm. And once again, especially if it's the first time that you're going through that, it's invaluable. It can make the uphill a little bit flattened. <laughs> <It's like, laughs> it, it makes it less, less heavy. And yes. I also want to ask you, so what's the third mistake, um, the financial yes. mistake during divorce that you did not commit? <laughs> yes, I did not do this one, but I have, I have seen it and I have, I have heard stories from other financial professionals and divorce professionals, and that is using money as a weapon. And, you know, when we're in a contentious divorce or breakup, especially when the other person has, you know, really hurt us, you know, whether they've cheated on us or, you know, something else that has really wronged us, there can be this temptation to lash out at them and in, in the process using money as a weapon. So I'll give you an example. One of my financial planner friends, um, he told me, and this was, this was a couple years before we had this conversation, because he was like, I really wish I knew you back then so I could refer this client to you. Um, but he said that this, this woman was just like so angry at her ex-husband. He had cheated on her. And so when she got her half of his 401k plan, she told him, I want to withdraw $50,000. I am going to buy a red BMW convertible. So every single time I drop the kids off or I pick the kids up, I can rub it in his face that I have spent his money on this car that he would never let me get when we were married. And he tried his best, God bless him, to talk her out of it because what happened was she ended up owing taxes and penalties on the money that she withdrew because she was not of the proper retirement age. You know, she was only in her 50s. And so that $50,000 car actually cost her closer to 75 to 80,000 with the penalties. And then if you look at that amount of money being unplugged from your investments, from your retirement. And if she had left that $50,000 in there and what that would have done over 10 years, over 20 years, she probably made a $250,000 to $500,000 mistake because she acted out of emotion, right? And so when I have individuals who are going through that, what I recommend is, hey, let's take a small amount of money and, and buy something that's just purely for you to pamper you. You know what? She could have taken $5,000 and, um, you know, bought a $5,000 purse, right? She could have gone on a yoga retreat to Bali for a week. Um, you know, money that she wouldn't have had to pull out of that retirement, right? And, incur those penalties. She could have taken a small amount of money and done something like that. Um, the other thing that I recommend um, my divorcing clients who have, you know, they're coming out of this situation where there is a lot of anger is 
some sort of physical outlet for that anger. You know, take a kickboxing class. Um, you know, if you have to like go to the gun range or, you know, throw lumberjack axes at a target or, you know, like something, smashing old glasses or something to just physically get that anger out. Um, because sometimes once you release it, then it's like, okay, now I can actually make a decision that, you know, is going to be wise for my financial future. And one of the things that I tell people is that the best revenge is your future financial success, right? You know, for you to really become a success and move on from this, that is really the best revenge. Not spending this money out of anger um, or like destroying his property or doing things that can just make everything more contentious because especially if you have kids, that person is not exiting your life. You're just changing your relationship with that person. So it's not just about the finances. It is also about, you know, preserving your personal dignity as well as your financial dignity. Which I think we make a mistake in our society by um, sort of collectively agreeing that when you're going through a divorce, you can do all sorts of horrible things and they're justified. And especially if there was something that imploded the relationship, something that the other person can be blamed for, then we almost give permission to ourselves and other people to say, yeah, you can be as horrible as you want. The divorce can be as nasty as he wants to get. And I mean, I don't want to judge you do you, but you're going to pay for those mistakes. You know what I mean? You're going to pay mm -hmm. for that anger, for that revenge, for, so just put that into your works, you know, your spreadsheet <laughs> of how much is this going to cost me? Like you were saying, yeah, you may have had a lot of fun riding that car, but now you're paying for it. Whereas you could have invested it even in launching your own business. And that's my right. favorite one to say to people who are like, I want to get stuck in this anger, in this madness. And I go like, no, just move on. And they'll be so devastated with your success. And you'll be right. thriving in that success that right. you'll be almost <laughs> killing two birds with one stone. So it's, it's important to focus on that. And you're going to pay for everything. And I'm not talking about karma. I'm talking about, yes, the, the IRS <laughs> is going to come and ask for that money back, <laughs> like in your example. And another yes. thing that was very interesting, and for those who are listening to us and they're dealing with emotions of divorce. First of all, do not feel ashamed. Do not feel inadequate. Those emotions are real and you're going to go through every single one of them. I, I go through the roller coaster of emotions with my clients so they know to expect them. And then also give them tools. Like you were saying, if you are in the angry emotion, I'm not saying that it's not justified. I'm not going to debate that with you. Just let it out of your body. And in those cases, it's yes, physical activity, Get to a jiu-jitsu class. Sit on top of a man <laughs> who is ready to take that beating <laughs> and let it out there. You'll feel yes. better. For those who are dealing with sadness and grief, um, I recommend a lot of creative processes. I, I personally took pottery. And I have mm. to tell you, when you're sitting with a piece of clay that will not cooperate with you and it's moving at the speed <laughs> of light and you have to turn it into something beautiful, you can't think about anything else. I remember sitting in that spin, in, in that wheel spinning for three hours and then leaving going like, 
oh, I feel so much better because I wasn't thinking about all the other problems. I wasn't in my right. sadness. So yeah, whatever emotion you're feeling, there is an action that you can take to, to step out of it. Um, so I, I also wanted to ask you, so what do you do now when women come to you and say, hey, I need help. I'm about to get into the divorce process. I don't want to mess up my financials. I don't want to make any of these costly mistakes. How do you assist them with your work? Yeah, so, you know, with my coaching with women, first of all, it's, it's not a quick fix. You know, we work together over six months. And that's because we're not just dealing with the tactical, practical things that you have to do. Yes, those are important. But if you think about it, we as humans take action for two reasons, to increase pleasure and to decrease pain. And so many times we take action with our finances and, you know, we might be overspending because it makes us feel better, right? Or we might be avoiding our finances because, you know, it was a source of argument and contention in our relationship. And so we have these things deep down inside that... I refer to as your money blueprint, right? So all the things you think about money, the things you say about money, your early experiences around money, you know, what your parents taught you about money. A lot of that stuff is stored down in our unconscious mind and we're not even aware that it's there. But we find ourselves repeating patterns. And so a lot of times women will come to me and they'll say, I can't, like I'm a smart woman, you know, people would say that I'm successful on the outside. Like, why can't I figure this money thing out? What's wrong with me? And I tell them that that is the wrong question to ask. The right question to ask is what happened to me? What happened to me that is causing me to interact with my money in this way? And so part of what we're doing is we are uncovering that blueprint and we're fixing it. So if you think about like a blueprint to build a house, like if I were to hand you a blueprint to build a ranch house, it doesn't matter how hard you work or how fast you work or who you hire, you're only getting a ranch house with that blueprint. You're never going to get a two-story. The only way you're going to get a two-story is if you go back and you change the blueprint. So what I've realized is that there's a lot of people out there who are operating off of this ranch blueprint, but they want the equivalent of a financial two-story house, right? And so they get in this, um, this cycle of shame where they make a mistake with money and then they feel bad about it. And when they feel the shame, it makes them want to hide. And when you do that, you don't seek the help that you need. And then the cycle continues, right? Because if you don't reach out and you get the help that you need, then you're obviously going to make a mistake because you don't have the knowledge, right? You don't understand what those emotional money triggers are for you. So you don't, you don't, first of all, you don't even know that they're there. And even if you do know that they're there, you don't know how to fix them. Um, and so with the coaching, it's really a matter of, uncovering and fixing that blueprint and then we're matching those external actions with their personal emotional triggers right so when you get when you get that stuff under the surface 
straightened out, the external actions become so much easier. And people are just amazed that they're like, wow, it seemed like, you know, it was so hard for me to save money in the past. But now that we've uncovered XYZ and we realized that this was holding me back, now it's like I actually want to save money. You know, it's like it's it's not even hard anymore. And so, you know, I think that's that's wonderful and that's that's the reward um, really of my transformation because I never intended to coach people on their finances. I had a really good job um, making six figures with my bonuses, you know, doing accounting for this manufacturing company. Um, you know, but I, I started doing it just kind of as a hobby, a little bit on the side. And then, you know, I started my business part-time and it was just, the more that I did it and I saw the transformation that the coaching brought, it was just like, I knew that that's what my calling was. Right. And I, as much as I was hated to let that job go, um, I knew that I had to, because I knew that there were people out there who, they needed their financial dignity restored. And a lot of, you know, the financial gurus out there, they're not talking about this stuff. They're not talking about the emotional side of money. And it's an absolutely critical piece that needs to be put into place for long-term success. And also because a lot of people will get to you being very frustrated with that, with why am I, why do I have a ranch house? I want a two-story building. And they're, they're already asking the wrong question. They are, like you said, let's ask the right question. So that's the first step, the step of awareness. And then realizing, well, do you have a ranch house because your parents had one and you just feel like you had to continue the cycle? But let's take a minute because if you're not happy about that, it must mean that you want something else. Even asking the question of what do you want? That's mind blowing yes. for a lot of people. And when it comes oh. to money, I can just imagine like, we don't question it. We just do what is being done. The same right. with parenting. We just mm -hmm. parent our children similar way as we were parented. Um, so to me, that transformation also facilitating it with people, it's, it's also what, what keeps me going. It's, it's just... I, I've said in the past, I'm not pro-divorce, I'm not pro-marriage, I'm just pro-happy people. And yes. having people who live in the house that they want, <laughs> that they actually have designed, the life yes. that they have designed, the relationship that they actually crave, that is how we make a better world. And uh, I am so happy that you're doing what you're doing, Christine. This is, and I'm so happy because you're also such an inspiration going from where you said, from that place of yes. my own finances were a mess. And look at you. You yeah. completely turned around. You left behind the blame, the guilt, the trying to find revenge and moved on. And now you're this very successful woman who is helping others do the same. Yes. So yeah. I have a couple of questions before okay. I ask you how people can find you. <laughs> and um, the first one is, what do you see the world going into the next great chapter for the world? Emphasis on the great, especially with the moments that we're living. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, I think, I think it's a matter of, of people really deciding, you know, am I going to be pitiful or am I going to be powerful? Because you can't be both. You know, it's, am I going to sit on the sidelines and am I going to make excuses or am I going to get in there and be part of the solution? And am I going to be the king or queen of my life, um, you know, and live by design versus by circumstance? Because, you know, we all know 
of people who have had similar things happen to them and one person stays you know stuck in excuses and stuck in the past and the other person succeeds in spite of that right and i really think that's a matter of you know owning control and owning responsibility of what we can do and you know not worrying about the things that are out of our control because you know the state of the world right now i mean we could all just be sitting around wringing our hands and sobbing and crying um or we can decide you know what i'm going to shine my light you know in my own little corner of the world i'm going to spread kindness i'm going to do what i can to improve the lives of others and you know that's really the best that we can do right yeah that that's not going to stop the pandemic but it's it's going to stop the fear around you and the right. it's it's yeah like you say it's going to light somebody up it will <laughs> light you up so <laughs> that's beautiful and where do you see your next great chapter what are you working on so yes it's very exciting my next great chapter first of all is i am beginning work on my third book which is financial dignity after divorce and so that is going to be for women who are going through and coming out of divorce to help them really heal their relationship with money and for them to be able to set up an easy and effective system to manage their money so that it's not a source of stress for them going forward. Um, and the other thing that I'm working on is educating other financial professionals about the emotional side of money. Because I think in the past, um, you know, the world of finance, first of all, has been largely dominated by white men um, and not trashing white men. There's a lot of great white men out there. Uh, I'm married to one. Um, but, you know, the whole way that people talk about finances, um, you know, and just hearing from other financial professionals when they say things like, well, just leave your emotions out of your financial decision making and, and just do the logical thing. You know, they're asking people to do something that's impossible, right? Because money's intertwined in our emotions, it's intertwined in our relationships. And so I've actually developed a training that tells financial planners like, look, this is what's going on under the surface with your clients. And here's how you can help them move past these various issues that they're having in their finances so that we're healing the root of it. So, you know, really for me, it's about spreading the financial dignity movement and bringing a more holistic perspective to personal finance. Well, those are truly exciting projects. I <laughs> wish you the best. Let me know as soon as they're out. I want to get your yes. book. And um, I really want to thank you for being here. If people want to find more about you, they want to work with you, where can they find you? So probably the easiest way to remember is moneyisemotional.com. Uh, that'll pop them over to the book page on my website and they can actually download the first three chapters of Money is Emotional for free. And they can also check out my blog. There's a lot of great information, um, absolutely free on the blog on a variety of personal finance subjects. So pretty much anything, you know, whether it's credit card debt, student loan debt, emotional spending, they can search the blog and find something that's going to answer their question. Fantastic. Well, I want to encourage everybody to go and check out your book, your blog, and thank you so much for being here and sharing your story and all your insights. Thank you, Christine. Mm -hmm.
Thanks so much for having me. It's been great. Thank you. And for everybody else, thank you for listening. And I'll see you next week. Aloha. Thank you so much for listening. And remember to subscribe and review my podcast because I just love hearing from you. You can also follow my journey on my Instagram account at Divorce for Love and join our Facebook group in the show notes. See you next week.